Marvels has ended its theatrical run and people are celebrating? Today I talk about the messiness that went into Marvels. This is Scott's Subindulgent Movie Podcast. Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. I am Scott, and today I am talking about the Marvels, and in particular, a folks' reaction to the Marvels and its reaction to its box office return or comparatively lower box office return than people either expected or hoped for. And yeah, there's a lot of different issues that go in here uh, that I think people kind of either willingly ignore or unconsciously ignore, and some people just uh, ignore it intentionally because they are trying to fulfill a narrative. But that's all stuff that I'll get into in today's piece, talking about the Marvels. So without further ado, let's get started. If you're in the online movie sphere, the discussion around Marvel Studios' latest movie, The Marvels, has been inescapable. Outside of the usual Is Marvel Dead discussion, the film's comparatively small box office return, at least by Marvel standards, has been reported on up and down, with individual social media accounts noting how it is the lowest grossing Marvel movie to date domestically. Kevin Feige throwing director Nia DaCosta under the bus because the project wasn't well managed, and Miss Marvel actor Iman Vellani, in my opinion, rightly clapping back that the box office isn't her concern. So today, I'm going to pull out a bunch of threads that have turned a movie that made nearly $200 million at the box office into the worst thing Marvel has ever done, including all of the context that so many people have ignored or chosen to ignore. So first, the first element is this is what happens when one studio and genre sucks up all the oxygen. As much as I've enjoyed a great deal of Marvel's movies, I'll be the first to admit that I'm sick to death of the omnipresent Marvel discourse. An awful lot of people have unfortunately realized the easiest way to get eyeballs, clicks, and ad revenue is to constantly talk about Marvel projects, or what other filmmakers think of Marvel projects, or react to Marvel projects that are announced. And on, and on, and on it goes. It's gotten to the point where it feels like a no-win scenario for anyone in the movie business. If you're in a Marvel movie, you'll be the subject of intense scrutiny, and if you're not, you'll be asked about Marvel movies, and whatever you say will end up as a headline you get asked about for the rest of your career. Jodie Foster just ran into this with some pretty tame comments about how Marvel movies aren't for her, and can eat up a lot of budget and press that smaller projects like adult dramas, i.e. the kind of projects she made her entire career, cut to a bunch of headlines about Foster critiquing Marvel. Generally speaking, this level of intense focus isn't good for anyone or the movie business. It means that smaller movies get a lot less press, which means less return at the box office, and studios make the decision to only fund safe projects. It's why, for me at least, the Barbenheimer phenomenon was a breath of fresh air. We had a big-ass comedy and three-hour epic biopic ruling the box office, and folks were talking about something else. The other problem with this intense Marvel focus is that every slip-up the studio is also an Is Marvel Dead treatment. Now that, now that the future of Marvel projects is perhaps the least clear it has been in a long time, every single movie is measured as to whether or not the studio is running out of steam. Consciously or not, there is a bitterness towards a lot of Marvel projects, and people will try to capitalize on that. So if you've got a movie that isn't making the typical Marvel money, get ready, it's going to get rough out there. Which is completely unfair to the movie, the filmmakers, and the actors who aren't really given, aren't really part of these big machines all working in concert, especially when these narratives lean heavily into blatant misogyny because, 
Element number two is people love to hate women. I feel like people have completely ignored what the reaction to the original Captain Marvel was. Before the movie's release, there was a ton of outrage because the movie was quote-unquote anti-man, or that Brie Larson wasn't right for the role because she critiqued a bunch of upset man-babies. A ton of overly invested a-holes said that the movie was destined to bomb, for seemingly no other reason besides they didn't like a woman being the main hero and, critique, and uh, critiquing their fragile egos. They would have loved nothing more than for Captain Marvel to crash and burn at the box office, which logically didn't make any sense because Marvel hadn't missed at the box office to date and this was their first female-led movie. Apparently, it wasn't going to matter. Unfortunately for the haters, it made over $1 billion. So their hatred would have to wait for another day. And man, they were ready when the previews for the Marvels came about. They knew this one was going to bomb, and as far as they're concerned, they're right. And the fact that we've added uh, two Captain Marvels, one who is a <laughs> Muslim character and another who's a black woman, eh, probably had something to do with it too. Unpacking the misogyny is a fool's errand because folks try to hide behind the it didn't look like a good movie defense, but if you compare their reactions to the Marvels versus Quantum Media, you'll see some noteworthy differences. Even if they didn't like the last Ant-Man movie, they didn't view it with such a vicious lens or predict the MCU is dead. When anyone who understands the movie business and promotion could have told you, it was destined to underperform because of element number three, the strikes. Most of the impacts of the combined WGA and SAG-AFRA strikes won't be felt for a few years, when the shows and movies everyone expected to come out are coming out late or feel incomplete. It's a lot like what happened to movies around 2009 and 2010, which is the last time the writers went on strike. The difference is that this time the actors went on strike as well. And what does that mean for movies already in the can? No promotion of any kind, unless the union has given express permission. Promoting your projects for a major studio is crossing the picket line, and none of the Marvel stars did. Good for them! But it also means you didn't see Brie Larson, Iman Vellani, Lashana Lynch, Tiana Paris, or Zawi Ashton stopping by late-night or daytime TV shows to talk about working with Samuel L. Jackson, doing car ads in costume, or putting their face next to a candy with their likeness on it. It's base-level exposure, but it does make a difference in folks even knowing that your movie is coming out and getting excited and interested. The strike only ended just before the movie actually came out, so it was a rush to get the stars out there to promote it, hence why some of them made appearances at screenings. So maybe Marvel shouldn't have pushed out this movie until... should have waited to push this movie until next year, when the hype train could have had time to work its magic? Eh, perhaps not, because element number four is that Marvel deserves plenty of blame. The comparative underperformance of the Marvels feels like a lot of chickens coming home to roost for Marvel the studio all at once. Perhaps the silliest decision they and Disney made was to go all-in on content right at the peak of their movie domination. Instead of two to three movies a year, Marvel was now going to make a bunch of shows and movies all at once. And they are all canon and part of the larger MCU. Also, you need a Disney Plus subscription to watch all of them. In my opinion, this is what led Mar to Marvel overload and a dip in general quality control. More material, stretch, more material stretches your creators thin, especially when they have to keep the larger MCU in mind as it continues to expand. When part of the reason the Marvel movies worked is that minus the Avengers movies, you didn't really need to know what was going on from movie to movie. Winter Soldier works if you've never seen the original Captain America. Cut to the Multiverse of Madness, and now Wanda's journey in WandaVision is an integral part of her character. That's not a reflection on quality in either case, but it is a problem that comics creators should be very familiar with. 
Part of the problem with Big Ten comic books or events is that it feels like you need a lot of background knowledge to have any idea what's going on. It's why I like to read comics by arcs and writers, because whether it's a soft or full reimagining, it's easier to keep track of everything. It's almost like starting with a clean slate. If there is a big event that got our hero to where they are, they can make a casual reference to it before moving along. So now, when Marvel is pu pulling back its production schedule and audiences are losing their enthusiasm and your last movie didn't wow critics and Barbie and Oppenheimer are the biggest movies of the year, you still put out the Marvels and then let the director out to dry? Which brings me to element number five, which is that Nia DaCosta deserved better. Nia DaCosta is a great director who got completely shafted by Marvel, because honestly, one of the easiest things this movie could have done would be to celebrate that they got a black woman in the director's chair to make history. She beat her own record for opening box office for a film directed by a black woman, had to work through incredibly difficult conditions before, during, and after the film, and still managed to piece together a movie that a lot of audiences, including folks very critical of Marvel, enjoyed. So watching industry talk pieces tear DaCosta down, misquoting her, or even Marvel head Kevin Feige himself say that it wasn't supervised properly is just wild, insulting, and unfair. The conclusion is that context matters. Two of the biggest things that irk me about modern internet discourse of any kind are one, how everything gets the clickbait treatment, and two, how every new bit of information is used to fit into a pre-existing belief or narrative. As I alluded to earlier, so many headlines aren't designed to represent the article. They're designed to get you to the article's site, which means pulling the most eye-catching element, often without context. So when an actor says, Marvel movies aren't for me, all kinds of outlets will write, so-and-so trashed Marvel. And after that, there's almost no backtracking that can be done. You can, if you go extreme early, you give folks nowhere else to go and eliminate the chance of your readers getting the full picture. I hate it. The other problem is that those headlines, or any piece of information, will quickly be chewed up and spat out into an existing narrative that somebody already has. For the Marvels, this was the final nail in Marvel's coffin, or proof that audiences don't want to see female superheroes. When Shuri was literally the lead hero of the widely successful Wakanda Forever just a year ago. Or proof that woke means going broke, or the death of an entire genre. No mention of strikes, no mention of Marvel's trending, and even how Marvel decided to scale things back to focus on quality, heavily implying that they weren't really doing that before. There's a lot of takeaways from how the Marvels did at the box office and everyone's reactions to the film itself and the numbers, but the most important one for me is that context matters. The Marvels was more successful than any of the garbage DC put out this year, and yet that's never brought up. Why? Well, you need context for that. Context beyond Marvel. So before we start declaring movies bombs or lambast a director who has been very open about the lack of creative control she felt she had, let's maybe take a moment, breathe, and put things in perspective and avoid future marvelous messes. This has been Scott's Off Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Off Indulgent Movie World, with the latest reviews, discussions, and more. See you next time, everybody, and stay safe.